0: thing and we talked about um he he talked about like doing life together and then loving outward right so we talked about taking care like doing community together and then going out and serving outward and so that was the first couple of weeks and today like john said we're going to tackle uh the kingdom of god which when i was thinking about this i feel like it's kind of a foundation for why 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 do we do life together why do we love outward why is that important And really, when you start kind of digging into that, it all ends up coming back to the kingdom of God. So I'm going to start with a story. Um, When I was a kid, I had this, like, children's Bible, okay? And so when I started thinking about this message today, thinking about the kingdom of God, I had this picture that came to mind immediately from this children's Bible. And so I go in my garage, and I pull out, like, our... Keepsake type totes, you know, and pull out like all the old yearbooks and the baby's first outfits and the picture of me when I caught my first fish and last fish, and um, <laughs> and so I pull out all the totes. I'm digging through and I can't find this Bible anywhere. So I text my mom because I know my mom and she would totally have this this book. And so I text her. I'm like, Hey, mom, do you remember that children's Bible we had? It had you know, had pictures in it. And she's like, Oh yeah, totally. And she sends me a picture of this like huge, very ornate, like this thick Bible. And I'm like, oh, no, not that one. And I said, no, 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 it it was really, it was like orangish gold. She sends me a picture of another Bible with gold pages, like that gold leaf kind of page. I'm like, oh, no, not that one. And so I'm thinking, huh, I can't remember what the name of this is. And I can't describe it any any other way, except it was like orangish gold. How do I get my mom to find this book? Because I know she's got it. So, I go to Google, and I searched 80s children's Bible. There it is. That's the book. That was the book I was looking for. And so I screenshot it. I send that to my mom. I'm like, that's the one I'm looking for. And she goes, oh, yeah. Less than two minutes later, she has that Bible. So she pulls it out, and she sends me these pictures. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. There's my proof of purchase. That's my sister and I. We signed it. and so I told my mom, can you go to the back of the book and take pictures of the last couple of stories? Because I, I can see this picture in my head, and I just want to know if it's the same as what I'm imagining from, like, being eight years old. Okay? And so she sends me one picture. It's not the one I'm looking for. So I'm like, mm, maybe the story before. So she goes back, and she sends me another picture. She sends me these next two. And this is exactly what I was picturing in my head. It was like a blend of these two pictures, of, like, this perfect world, you know, nature, and animals are just hanging out with children, and beautiful whatever, right? And then, like, Jesus riding in on this horse, and this crown, and just this glorious thing. And honestly, for most of my life, whenever I thought of the kingdom of God, I pictured this. I pictured some version of this. And, um, To be honest, it seemed kind of out of touch. It seemed out of reach. It was something that was um, far away, like another place, far from now, another time. And it was, I dare I say, a little irrelevant. It felt a little irrelevant to me for most of my life. Now, it's possible that I'm the only one who thought about this or experienced this, I guess. But I don't think so. I think that there are probably more people who have thought about the kingdom of God and just kind of thought about, like, this far-off land that we'll go to someday when we all die and go to heaven, right? Or maybe there's people who haven't really thought about it at all, the kingdom of God. I don't know. You live in America. There's no kingdom. There's no king. I don't don't know. I'm just going to dismiss that, right? Or maybe, um, maybe, maybe you're a new Christian, right? And you're like, I'm still just trying to figure out, like, where the books are in the Bible. I have no idea what you're talking about with the kingdom of God. Or maybe you haven't even settled in on being a Christian, and you're like, I'm still trying to figure out if this is all just a crock, and so no, I'm not thinking about the kingdom of God. I think there's room, I think there's a lot of people who have gone through a lot of their life, like me, just kind of unclear and unsure. And you guys, for me, this lasted well into my adult years. Okay, that was what I was picturing well into my adult years. Um, The churches that I'd gone gone to for most of my life, I don't remember a huge emphasis on the kingdom of God. I don't remember sitting through a message on the kingdom of God. I don't remember going to a Bible study on the kingdom of God. Um, It totally could have happened and I was passing notes. That's possible. Uh, But I don't remember it. I don't remember it being something that was very impactful to me. And then I started going to the vineyard. okay. And it's everywhere, okay? We sing about the kingdom of God. There's constantly talking about the kingdom of God. People pray, like, the kingdom is coming, and let it break in. And it was everywhere. And if you've been in a vineyard church for a long time, you know what I mean. The kingdom of God is a phrase that is used a lot. And if you're new around here, just wait. You will hear it a lot, okay? And suddenly, it's all over the place. And spoiler alert— when they're talking about the kingdom of God, it's not just like this picture, okay? So naturally, my curiosity was piqued. I started hearing it more and more and more, um, and I started paying attention to this phrase. I started kind of digging in and being like, "Okay, well, what does this mean? I want to study this. I want to learn more about it." I started reading about you know the history of like the Vineyard Church specifically, and then our values, and that the kingdom of God is a huge part of that. Um, and then reading through the Bible, <laughs> go figure. Um, and it turns out that this is not a new concept, um, and it's been talked about at great length and mentioned a ton of times in the New Testament. So I kind of feel like right now I'm confessing that I did not pay very much attention when I read my Bible. But say lovevy, that's the way it is. So Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than any other topic ever, when he was on earth. He was the one, the topic that he talked and he talked about more than anything else. Um, there was over a hundred references to the kingdom of God in the New Testament. And this morning, we're going to look at just one of those references. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter six. Um, it's just going to be a short little verse that we're going to go through. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's on the screen. Also, you probably know it by heart. Also, we sang it. So we are just hitting all of the dots today. Um, So let's set this up a little bit. So when this is happening in Matthew 6, Jesus has been been giving this long sermon. Okay, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking to a great crowd of people, including his disciples. And you guys, if you haven't really taken the time to read Matthew chapters 5 through 7, I encourage you to do so because it is legit like rules for life, like anything you want to know about, it's in these chapters, things like um, what do we do about enemies or frenemies, it's in this, what do we do if we don't know what to wear, he talks about it, um, what do we do about eternity, what do we, how do we live a, a generous life, what do we do when we're stressed or anxious, it's literally everything is in these, two, these couple of chapters, it's amazing, he even tells us how to pray, and so that's the verse that we're reading today it says pray then in this way our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven now I, ta- I decided to kind of focus in on this verse this morning for a couple reasons and it was really difficult because like i said the kingdom of god is mentioned a billion times in the new testament and so finding you know one verse to really focus on was super challenging but I loved this because it's something that's so familiar that it's almost become too familiar, at least for me. It's something that I've missed over and over time and again. I've said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've missed it. This is the point when Jesus really illustrates the the complexity and the beauty of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is alive and well in heaven. But, but right here, Jesus is encouraging us to petition God to, to allow his kingdom to come right now as it is in heaven. That it can be here on earth right now as it is in heaven. It's something profound. He tells his followers, which is you and I, not just his disciples, to pray this prayer, to ask God to break in. The kingdom of God is not just a place. It's not just a group of people. It's not just the church. The kingdom of God is wherever the spirit of God is ruling and reigning. So the spirit of God is ruling and reigning in heaven, but it is also ruling and reigning here. It's ruling and reigning in our lives when we choose to take up that cross and to follow God. It's something that we look forward to, yes, in eternity, but also something that we can experience right now. There is a term that was coined by a, na- a man named George Eldon Ladd, the already and the not yet. And this term has been used widely and adopted by the vineyard um, to explain this concept of how, you know, how is the kingdom of God there and also here? How is it later and also now? And so we say it's the already and the not yet, or the now and the not yet. When Jesus came, he started this process, right? He started the process to come and to redeem and bring the whole world to himself, but it's not complete. It's not complete until the second coming, which is why we have that. We have that now and not yet. The kingdom has come, but it's not complete yet. And we live kind of right there in that middle where it overlaps. And it's, it's kind of a funky place to be, right? And it's a, a strange thing to think about. We live between the now, Jesus came, and between God returning and bringing the kingdom and complete reconciliation. And we live in that tension. And you guys, learning about that changed everything for me. You see, for most of my life, I thought the kingdom of God was only something that we were supposed to be waiting for. I thought that, you know, we would just be, I would would just accept Jesus into my heart and then be a good Christian person and kind of, you know, invest in my eternity and wait for Jesus to come. And I would just wait. I understood the not yet of the kingdom, but I didn't understand the now. The kingdom of God isn't just a way for people to escape the evil in this world. It's not. The kingdom of God is moving towards us. Pastor John has used the term rushing towards us, and I love that term. The kingdom of God is rushing towards us into the present world and also carrying on into the life to come. So if the kingdom is to be experienced now as well as later, well, that has implications, I think. What does it mean for me, for believers, for the church? What does that mean? First of all, I think it's really important for us to examine our own lives and to see if we're truly allowing God to rule over every part of our lives. And this is a hard question. This is a personal question. Um, This is something that you really have to take to God and pray and ask him to, to search your heart and say, okay, which areas of my life am I holding on to so tight? Which areas do I need that control over? And I won't let go and I won't let you in. But when we let go, when we let God in, that's when our faith is grown when we let God have that rule and reign over every part of our life. It's an exercise in faith. In Colossians 1, 17, we're reminded that God is before all things and he is in all things. And if we truly believe that, that God is before all the things, he's before the hard stuff that you're facing, he was already there and he's in it, he's walking through it with you, then that makes it it makes it a little bit easier to let go and say, okay, God, rule, reign in my life. Second is that we are to carry out God's purpose in his kingdom. Guys, God did not just put us here to wait. He wants us to be active participants in the kingdom of God. We are a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just what we believe. It's not just a bullet point on our values list. It's how we live. What does the kingdom of God mean for me right now? It means everything because God wants us to experience it now. We took the kids to Disneyland um, this last week. We did two days. I know. Holy moly. Okay. So we did two days. It was the first time I ever did that back to back. I was exhausted and walked so much more than I've ever walked in my life. So now I don't have to do much more walking, which is great. Um, But anyway, so we did Disneyland. Well, we don't go to Disney that often, and since we had been there, there was this new land, Star Wars Land. It's not called that, it's called something else, but it should be called Star Wars Land, because it's Disneyland, get it, okay. So we go to Star Wars Land, and everyone in my family, except for me, was very excited to see Star Wars Land. Um, And so we go in, and really, it is amazing, okay? You walk into this, this land, and you really feel like you're in the movie, truly. like Every detail has been thought of. There's, um, every cast member is in character. They're all like dressed up, and they do not break their character, I swear. I went up to a little counter to get a drink, and they had this thing called um, blue milk. And I was like, OK. So I asked the lady, well, what is blue milk? And they're like, oh, it's sour Banson milk. And I was like, oh, right. I'll pass and so they do not break character like they really want you to feel like you're there and you are a part of Star Wars so they have this ride and we go get in line for the ride and um, we get to the part where it's almost our turn and it's like the millennial Falcon I think that's what it's called it's that thing and so we get up to the thing the front and it's almost our turn and one of the cast members comes over and she's got like these cards and she hands us a card each person in our group gets a card And on the card, it has a job, like a job title, and then it has um, like what that means, so what you're gonna do with that job. Now, if you are a parent who has gone to Disneyland with children, maybe you can relate, but at this point, when I'm about to get on a ride, it's kind of like a vacation, okay? It's like a 30-second to two-minute vacation. I get to sit down, we're not walking, and my kids aren't asking me for anything. And so when she hands me this card, she's like, okay, read that. It'll tell you what you need to do. And I was like, oh no, I'm just riding. I don't wanna do anything. And she's like, no, you have to. And I'm like, oh. She said, you have to participate in the ride. That's the way the 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 ride works. And I was like, wow, I'm just, there goes my vacation concept. (laughs) So I read the instructions and it's like, press the buttons whenever this happens to do that and this and that, and I'm like, and I'm feeling a little reluctant but my kids are very excited and so I'm also excited. And so we get in the little box that is our ride, right? And the lights start flashing and like it's very busy, okay? And the ride is going and I'm doing my job and I think I did it rather well, just so you know. And so I do my job and and the ride is over and that's that. Well, we come out and we talk about it and I will say, it was a completely different experience participating in the ride. Who would have thought? Like, they must really know what they're doing over there. And it would not have been the same thing. If I would have just sat and watched the screen, I wouldn't have felt as immersed. It wouldn't have felt as exciting and adventurous. It wouldn't have had my attention the way it did if I was just wanting to do my vacation, okay? So then we went over to, like, the Haunted Mansion, and that one is a vacation. It even leans back so you can, like, relax and sleep. Yeah. So we did that, and I got my vacation. But the point is, this is the way the kingdom of God is. This is the way God has designed us to participate in the kingdom of God. He wants us to be all in. He wants us to experience it right now the way Disneyland wanted us to experience the Star Wars land. He wants us to experience its richness and beauty right now on Earth As it is in heaven. So, how? How do we do that? How do we participate in the kingdom of God while we're waiting for the completeness of the kingdom? It's what we do while we wait that matters. Dr. Richard Larson, you guys ready for this? He's the leading expert on waiting. That's a real thing. (laughs) It's a real thing. Okay, I don't know how much competition he had for that job, but he got it. So, he's the leading expert on waiting. And he says that it's not the actual amount of time spent waiting that matters. It's what, it's like the perception of the time, okay? And he says that when people feel like they're waiting too long, then they start to have anxiety and even fear. But if they have some sort of purpose, if they have something to do while they're waiting, then they don't feel like they're waiting anymore if they have something meaningful to do. So this is best illustrated by the story at the Houston airport. Anyone here travel a lot or fly ever at all? If you've ever flown or gone to an airport, you know about waiting, okay? You wait, wait to get there if you go to LAX, you wait to um, check your bags in, you wait you know, at the ticket counter, you wait to go through security, you wait to get on the plane, you wait to take off, and then when you land, you wait again to get off the plane and then you wait for your bags, okay? So Houston airport was getting all these complaints about people waiting to get their bag when they got off of the airplane. They are having to wait too long. Now, in reality, they they checked this, and the people were only waiting a couple minutes. They weren't waiting that long. But the complaints kept coming in, and so they thought, well, what do we do? We can't make that wait time any shorter. So they moved the baggage carousel further away from the gates (laughs) so that people just walked further. And then they weren't complaining. Now people say, oh, wow, it's so great. They get compliments all the time that people feel like they never have to wait. And <laughs> really, they're just walking. So, but it really illustrates um, kind of this, this idea of how we need something meaningful to do while we wait, or there's that anxiety that builds up and even fear. And I think it's the same kind of in this tension. I think we can see it in our prayers sometimes, right? We think, We pray, like, God, when are you coming? God, when are you going to redeem this? God, when are you going to heal? God, when will this happen? God, when will this be fixed? And there's that anxiety. There's that, that tension that we're waiting. We know that we're here now, and we're waiting for his kingdom to come. But what if, what if we flipped those prayers around? What if we asked God, how can we be active participants rather than passive recipients? in this kingdom. How can we be a part of this? God, it's hard right now. It doesn't make sense. There's, It's a mess. Your kingdom is not complete. But God, I want to be a part of it. What if we did that? What would it look like? I think uh, Jesus shows us what this looks like in his life on earth. As he grew up, And into adulthood, he spent time with and had conversations with people. Um, He engaged with them. He was relevant. He told stories that they could relate to. There's there's one um, passage in the Bible where he's telling these parables, and then he goes into a house, he's taking a break, and the disciples say, dude, why are you talking to them like that? Like, why are you telling them stories? And he's like, because you guys understand, but they don't understand. So I'm telling them in a way that they can understand. And I love that because it's such a perfect example for us. Like, we should be trying to be relevant. We should try to be, to, to be on the same level with people and, and reach them where they are. Reach them in ways that make it real to them, that they can understand what this is, what this kingdom of God could mean for them. Jesus made friends, and he nurtured relationships. He was called a friend of sinners. He took time to truly know people. And through those relationships, he built community that was safe, that people were drawn to, because they knew that he wouldn't judge them. He discipled people, and lives were transformed. He not only told them about the kingdom of God, but he showed them and he shared it with them. He invited them into that experience. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to earth, to a broken humanity. The humanity that was looking for hope and healing, and we still are. We really are. We're still looking for that hope and healing, but we have the answer. Jesus showed people the kingdom of God. What if we can be used to help those around us experience the kingdom of God? I'm not talking about just telling them about it. I'm talking about living it and inviting them to experience it with us. Friends, people come to faith when they experience the kingdom of God, when they can feel it. We lived in Colorado for a while, and while we were there, I made a list, a bucket list, you could say, of all the different places that I wanted to make sure that we saw um, and all of that. And one of the places was Pikes Peak, which is this huge mountain. It's over 14,000 feet in elevation. It's huge. And Colorado Springs, which is where we live, sits right at the base of this mountain. And um, So anyway, we, we, our time there was wrapping up and we weren't, we were kind of like going through our list, like trying to make the best use of our time. And we thought, well, maybe we don't need to go to Pikes Peak. We've been to a lot of other places. We've seen a lot of beautiful things here. Um, Maybe we can skip it. We've seen the pictures. Friends have told me about it. We look at it every day. Maybe we don't need to go up to the top. Thankfully, we decided to just do it. We had heard that the road was kind of crazy. There's Of switchbacks, it gets really narrow at the top, um, and so that was part of our hesitation. But we decided, you know what, we don't want to leave Colorado and not take advantage of this experience, so let's just do it. So we we took the drive, we went up to the top of Pikes Peak, and it was crazy. Okay, the roads are a little sketchy up there. um, And you get up to like 12,000 feet, and there's no more vegetation, it's all like rock, you know, and you're like, oh, this is desolate. Uh, you know, and like if you have to turn around, I don't even know how that would happen. You can't. I think I don't know what you would do. Um, so it was a little ske- little sketchy, right? Well, we get up to the top, and I'm kind of feeling like maybe we shouldn't have come. The kids are whining, and you know, and so we park, and there's this little shop where you can get like donuts and hot chocolate. And of course, the kids just want to go in there. Let's just get a donut. And we're like, we're here to see the view, you know, like, don't you love nature? And, um, and they're like, no, donuts. And so we go to – we go get a donut, and then we went over to see the view. And so we walk out to – they have, like, different areas that you can go out to to see this expanse, this view. Now, you guys, Pike's Peak, to to kind of play it up a little bit, it's what inspired America the Beautiful. So, you know, that beautiful, blah, 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 amber waves of grain. That view – is what inspired that song. And so in my mind, I'm like, we have to see this. So we walk out, and it's stunning. Like, pictures don't do it justice. People explaining it don't do it justice. My breath just stopped. Like, I I, I just was like, oh, my gosh. It was absolutely breathtaking. And that's a view from the top. And it's just colors. Kansas is somewhere over there, really far away. And it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. Here's us. Our pictures are not as great. But it was so worth it to go up. And and we were so glad that we did afterwards because it's just something that you have to experience. It's not something that you can understand through reading about it or looking at pictures or hearing somebody tell you about it. You have to experience this to get it. I'm no longer satisfied telling my friends to visit Pikes Peak when they go to Colorado and just saying, oh yeah, I heard that it's great because I've experienced it. Now I urge them, no, you have to go. You have to experience this. The kingdom of God is like that. Once we've experienced it, we're no longer satisfied just telling someone about it. We want them to experience it also. In John fourteen twelve, he says, whoever believes in me will do these things. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to the Father. When I first read that, I was like, well, I haven't raised anyone from the dead lately. And, no, oh, I haven't walked on water. And so, I don't know about this whole thing. Like, how could I do something greater than what Jesus did? How could we? Re- how could he say this? What does this mean? How could we do something greater? But you guys, he, I think that Yes, the miracles were amazing. But I think it was the love in the miracles that God wants us to model. I think he wants us to be empowered by his spirit. And yes, God still pre-performs signs and wonders. And yes, he does. We think there's still miracles and healings every day all over. But I think what we can take from this is, is to model that love. That Jesus was willing to, to spend time with those that nobody would spend time with. He was willing to love and touch people that nobody would go near. And there's power in that. That's the kingdom of God breaking in right there. That's what we can be a part of. We're empowered through God because it's no longer us, right? It's Christ who lives in us. Jesus showed us what is possible with the kingdom of God when it breaks into the here and the now. And that's still possible. Our job is to bring heaven here. What a privilege. What an honor that we get to be a part of this. Through our actions, through doing life together, through loving outward, through relationships and discipling, through serving and giving, people can experience the kingdom of God and their faith can be built. They can come to faith in Jesus. Through an open home, And volunteer service of a group from a local church, a man named David Nasser and his entire family, experienced the kingdom of God. He was, um, they were their Muslim family from Iran, refugees, and a a group from a local church opened their home to them when they needed a place to stay. They volunteered at their work, cleaning tables, and it was through those actions that they were brought to faith in Jesus. Through William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, and his unpopular approach to ministry was frowned upon, Uh, countless people, I tried to find the exact number, but we don't know, countless people have experienced the kingdom of God. We're not saved by actions. We're saved by grace. But it's through our actions that we can make the kingdom (coughs) tangible. It's through our actions um, that... The rule and reign of our king works. John 13, 35, Jesus said, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A life of love will bring attention to the truth of Jesus, and it will show the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we're waiting for him, but I wonder if he's really just waiting for us. I have a couple of little tips on how we can um, make this real to us this week, some application. First thing, um, I encourage you to read about the kingdom of God. If you can relate to me and my story and, and that whole, like, not knowing what the kingdom of God is, dig into it. If Jesus talked about it as much as he did, then it must be something worthwhile. It must be something worth our time learning about and knowing about and understanding. Um, I encourage you even to read up on the core beliefs and values of the vineyard. It's super easy to understand, and um, they explain it so well in those, those information guides. So if you need any of those resources, you can come and ask me or John or Chloe. We have those resources in the office. Read the parables. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God a lot. And so read the parables. Don't do what I did. Okay, Read the parables. Jesus spent so much time talking about the kingdom of God, so we can spend a little bit of time learning about it. Number two, um, consider what areas of your life you haven't allowed the kingdom of God to break into. Either intentionally or unintentionally. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're holding on to something. But think about that. Ask God to, to show those to you, ask God to shine a light into. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this song together. And as we sing this song together, I want to encourage you to process what is the Spirit of God saying to me today? What does this mean for me? And so for some of you, maybe you've been this waiting, you've been in waiting and you've forgotten.